I don't know anything about marketing. I don't know anything about advertising. And it's about connections and it's about showing up as who you are. Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these mums write. Hey mums, when it comes to writing, what are your biggest challenges? I'm gonna guess that marketing and finding time are at the top of the list. If that is the case, today's show is just for you. Bree Moore is a homeschooling mom of six, yes, that's right, six, from Iowa and an urban fantasy author with loads of books to her name, including audio, vela, all the things. Bree started writing about five years ago, first with a hybrid or vanity publisher, and then taking the reins herself as an independent author, and she hasn't looked back. In today's episode, Bree shares everything she has learned about selling books, as well as creating the conditions to write them. Please welcome Bree Moore. Thank you so much, Bree, for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. This is so great. So I'm really excited to learn more about your story. When I was, you know, researching you, I discovered this amazing woman who somehow combines urban fantasy with free birthing and has six kids. And I'm so excited to hear all about that story and motherhood. But first, I always like to start with, you know, what are you most excited about right now? I am most excited about the re-release of my first series. So I got my rights back from that publisher and I've been able to recover and retitle and re-release those books. So, Wow, that's exciting. This is your, your urban fantasy? These ones are actually epic fantasy. They're Camelot King Arthur retelling and they were my very first two books. So um, was it you, you just convinced them that you want to remarket these or was there anything more to it than that? Yeah, they were honestly just so amazing to work with and they just weren't doing anything for me in terms of marketing. And I had already gone on to publish um, multiple other books on my own. And so I knew that I could do better and I'd have more resources for marketing if I just had full control. So I reached out to them and just said, I would like my rights back. And our contract was really flexible um, with me requesting my rights back. I just had to give them 30 days notice and then they would revert all rights to me and um, take down, you know, they'd unpublish my book and then I would get to republish it. So. Wow, that's great. Look at you. That's amazing. And so um, you said you changed the cover? Yep. Yep. I did a complete like re makeover, like complete redo, um, mostly because a lot of people mistook the previous covers for fairy tale retelling, um, young adult, and they're, mu- they're actually dark fantasy for geared towards adults. And so I just wasn't hitting my target market. I knew I needed different covers. And along with that, I decided on different titles as well um, to better fit um, the, that dark fantasy niche. Mm. 
So then, um, so can you tell me how you came to a place today where you were like, you know what, guys, traditional publisher, you you were great, but I think I got this. Can you tell me more about that? Um, yeah. So uh, when I was first getting published, and that was uh, four and a half years ago, um, I kind of wanted, I had always dreamed of being traditionally published. I think most authors have that dream. Uh, they want to be on the shelf at the bookstore and they, they want to have libraries picking up their books and they want to be famous and go to book signings. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and so I'd only ever really thought about querying. Um, and, but I got kind of uh, disappointed because I had queried this book several times and hadn't seen any progress. And then um, someone I know reached out and said, hey, you should query this small publisher I know. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so I did. And they accepted my book. Um, they are what, what, you, what has now become known as um, like a hybrid publisher. Some people consider them vanity publishers, but not all of them are um, scams. And, not, and most of them just really want to help authors. So um, I actually paid a really small amount for them to edit my book. Um, I also paid additional money for a different editor um, initially. Um, I actually got to hire my cover artist. Um, so that was kind of cool that I was the one who got to be in control of that. And then they did all of the um, copywriting and Library of Congress and uh, formatting. Um, and our contract was really good. It was, they only took 10% of the royalties, um, which is really low for a publisher. Um, and then after that, they pretty much just gave me whatever freedom. So I did produce an audio book and I paid for that and had the rights for that. Um, and they didn't try to get in on the royalties for that. So, um, they were just really wonderful to work with and really different from like your very scammy vanity publishers who charge mm. you thousands of dollars. And, um, so it was really like just somebody holding my hand mm. through the publishing process. Yeah. So I do consider those books traditionally published. They, I didn't have any access to the back ends um, for those books. Um, I had to go through my publisher for every change I wanted to make. And at the mm. end of the day, I just felt like I was missing um, the ability to like have control, mm. uh, to be able to change my blurb when I wanted to change it, to be able to um, just make little adjustments or to do use, Amazon marketing or any of those things. And mm. so uh, my next series, um, which was my, or my first urban fantasy series, I have two uh, urban fantasy series. Um, my first urban fantasy series, I decided I was going to try self-publishing. And so I just jumped in and my publisher had no, I didn't have any contract for like a right of first refusal uh, with, pre with future work. So I was able to just go ahead and I did let them know as like a courtesy of like, I'm going to publish this next one myself. And that was after they had published um, the, it's a duology, the two book series. Mm. And so I just jumped into self-publishing and I loved, 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 loved that at any time I could pretty much just like make a tweak or change the keywords or, you know, whatever I needed to get done. So I totally fell in love with self-publishing and having that, that level of control, um, eventually went on to actually uh, get a, fo a formatting program. So I can even format it myself. I don't have to mm. bounce it back and forth with a formatter. Um, just trying to streamline my process 
as much as possible and be in control of like every step. Yeah. That's, and when did you like start on this publication journey? Yeah. Um, I, um, well, as far as like, I guess from the time my first book was published, my first book was published in 2017. Hmm. Um, but it was about, say about six to eight months before that, that I got a hold of like my publisher and we started the process. So, hmm. And what, um, what's what, like, what was the thing that first made you decide? Because you, as you, you have six children mm-hmm. between the ages of one and nine. So I know you're pretty busy. <laughs> um, and what inspired you to like, I want to write fiction. Yeah. So actually what really sparked it, I was an avid reader as a kid. I taught my, kind of taught myself how to read around age four or five um, and was a very young um, advanced reader. So I read everything I could get my hands on. And then I remember in fourth grade, I read um, the first book that ever made me cry. And that I really felt just a strong emotion. And I was so impacted by, um, by that somebody could have written words that moved me so much that I decided I wanted to do that. Um, I wanted to write words that made people feel something amazing. And the I chose fantasy because fantasy has, so much creativity with it where you can develop a whole world and a whole magic system and uh, characters who can do incredible things. And it's such an escape. And I love that aspect. Mm -hmm. So, um, so really from about fourth grade, I started writing my first book in fourth grade. Uh, It will never see the light of day, (laughs) but um, that's when it just all got started and I held on to it um, all through, all through my um, rest of my schooling. And when I went to college, I was majoring in an English language major and I actually quit college because I realized very quickly that you didn't have to have a degree to be a published author and that I was wasting my time. I really was wasting Mm -hmm. my time trying to get this degree that in the end had nothing to do with uh, my my chosen career. If I were to go back to college, I would major, honestly, I would major in business and I would get a minor in, um, in probably some creative writing, uh, just to get like some, you know, extra learning and creative writing. But honestly, authors need business and marketing knowledge far more than they need to learn writing, especially if they're very good at writing or instinctively good at writing already. Mm Mm-hmm. And how does the, like, I want to talk more about your approach to marketing. I think that sounds really, you know, juicy, but, but also what about the, the free birthing? Cause I know you have written books on that as well. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm really passionate about babies. That's maybe obvious. Right? The fact <laughs> that I kids. Um, and I, I started having kids in 2012. They're all really close together. Um, they're all less than like two years apart. So um, that's a lot of kids pretty fast. And so I actually started having kids before it's published. My first book came out when I had my fourth uh, baby. And um, so I just really passionate. I studied everything I could about birth because I wanted to have a really good birth experience. And I'd heard that it was horrible and traumatizing and uh, painful. And you definitely want the epidural and you definitely want um, and I don't want to turn this into like a birth podcast because I could talk about that all day. <laughs> um, but 
after doing all this research and reading, I just felt that home birth was a better fit for me. Um, I had one hospital birth without any medication and it was, it was okay. It worked out. Uh, but I didn't like being in the hospital and it kind of came back to that control feeling um, that I, it was really important to me to be able to control as much as I could about the process. And in the hospital, they kind of enforce a lot of policies and enforce um, a lot of things on you, um, at least here in the United States. It's just not um, a very peaceful process. So I was really drawn into home birth. And so with my second baby, I had a home birth with a midwife. And it was wonderful and everything that I wanted, it was just perfect. And then, and so much more peaceful than the hospital. And then with my third, um, fourth, fifth and sixth, um, I actually decided to have what's called a free birth, which is where you don't hire a midwife and you do all of your care on your own. And um, you don't go into prenatal visits. You just do all of your care yourself. And I was, it's not for everyone. I was really confident because of all the research and reading I have done about mm. birth and pregnancy. And also because I'm very self-motivated, I'm very um, aware of my body. So I knew what the red flags would be if there was a problem and I needed to go in and I was prepared uh, to handle emergencies. Um, but I loved, like it was just me and my husband and um, we would usually have somebody watch our other kids with those births. And so those impacted me so much, those births, um, that I wanted to write about them and collect other stories about them. So all of my books about birth are um, advice and stories of other women having basically taking back birth and making it theirs again. Um, because here in the United States, it's kind of depressing our birth statistics and how traumatizing birth in the hospital can be for women. So, mm. Wow. I can see that's like a theme. It's almost like with your book, baby, you know, you wanted to have the control back from that, yeah. the publisher. And, and then also with your human baby, uh, yeah. taking that control from the hospital. And so, so obviously the nonfiction and then the, the fiction are separate, but are, are there crossovers? Because I feel like some, it seems like that theme comes out, the theme of birthing is in some of your novels. Yes, uh, absolutely. There's some crossover. Um, my most recent ones don't have a lot of it. So my urban fantasy doesn't have a lot of um, the motherhood and the birth and pregnancy themes. But my first book, um, which is now called The Lady's Last Song, and it's a Camelot story, there's birth in there and in the sequel and motherhood they're big themes um with with the first book i wrote it um during the time i had just had my first baby and i felt very lonely and very isolated and trapped and i really channeled that um feeling into the character in that book who is trapped in a tower and she is <laughs> um she is cursed essentially to that she cannot leave and she can't even look outside and she is, she is so separated from everything. Um, and I really felt a kinship with that character um, because of the, that situation in my life. And um, so it was interesting to uh, the emotional journey I went on trying to get her out of the tower to break her free, but also trying to break myself free of this. Like, I don't have to be isolated as a mother. Um, and then I have several other stories. I have some short stories that 
have strong themes of motherhood and birth and pregnancy. And I was in an anthology where that was like the whole theme. It was fantasy mothers because in <laughs> many fantasy stories, the mothers are dead. <laughs> so They are dead. Like, you know, oh my gosh. It's so sad. Oh, I know. And I just learned also that in the 80s, this was also a theme in sitcoms. Like there's a whole bunch of of sitcoms like Silver Spoons, um, uh, there's a bunch of them. That's the only one I remember. But there was like all. It was also a theme. It's interesting that the dead mother theme. Yeah. So, uh, do you feel that writing became your way to escape that isolation that you felt as a new mother? Um, it definitely helped, but I was writing regularly before that. So it's always been something I've done. I mean, ever since fourth grade, every time I finished a book, I just start writing a new one. So it wasn't something that I started because I was a mom. Uh, it's definitely something that helps sustain me as a mom. And I have a way supportive husband. He's really encouraging. Anytime I'm like, I'm just going to quit. This is way too hard. He's like, no, I'm not going to let you quit. Aww. Um, both of us have noticed that if I go, um, if I go like a week without work, like writing specifically, then I am super moody. I'm super stressed out. Like it is, this creative expression is absolutely essential for my sanity as a human being, not just as a mom, but as a human being. So he makes sure to help me get regular time to write. Oh my God, we need a word for that. It's like the hangry for writing because I totally am that same way. It would be like rang rangry. That's not good. <laughs> That's, that doesn't roll off the tongue. But like, do you think that your writing has changed since becoming a mother and in any ways? Oh yeah, um, it's definitely matured in different ways. Um, I'm much more aware of family issues within fiction and um, trying to balance family and not make it because family is really a big priority for me. And I get frustrated now when I don't see my beliefs uh, in fiction where all the protagonists are single and all, especially in adult fiction, they're all single and they all, ha or they're in a relationship, but they don't have kids and they're not tied down, you know, having kids and having a family, it's something that's much more related with like, if you write romance specifically, but in fantasy, it's like unheard of to have a protagonist who has kids and stuff. I mean, even there's been a big movement in paranormal fiction recently um, and urban fantasy where they kind of have the midlife, a, the middle-aged midlife crisis, um, uh, female, especially protagonist. Um, but even so, even then they don't have kids or their kids are grown. And so I'm really interested in exploring this more in um in fiction and um, my male protagonist in my urban fantasy, uh, my latest urban fantasy series, the Shadowed Mind series, uh, he is a single dad. So mm. um, we've kind of got a little bit of that coming out there where I just, I'm tired of hiding it and I'm tired of pretending like it doesn't matter or you can't do things when you have kids. You can't save the world if you've got a baby on your hip, you know, and I, I disagree. I think moms are saving the world. So, yeah, I love that. I love that you literally have a baby on your lap as you say that. It's like you have you're gonna like jump up and like stop an evildoer at any second now. 
So I can see you really found your passion in writing um, in the genres. And so what about the marketing side? Yeah, so it's definitely all the knowledge I have has been really hard one uh, because it doesn't come naturally to me. I'm really creatively minded. Um, I'm a really determined person, but numbers scare me. I have way too much anxiety left over from my uh, like middle grade and uh, higher years in school where, uh, where math was hard. Math was really hard for me. And uh, funny enough, I'm married to a math major who now teaches math to, like, in school. Um, and so I married my polar opposite. And if he had more time, I'm sure he'd help me with this end of things. <laughs> but he's off providing for us while I get my career going. So all this marketing stuff, I have gone to conferences. I'm lucky to live. I live in Utah in the United States. And luckily, there's a huge and very supportive writing community here. And they have really small writing conferences all the time, um, especially post-COVID. And they're finally starting to come back. But where they're very affordable. So you might pay $50 for a two-day conference. Um, and so it's newly starting out writer that's something that you can like okay I can I could do that um, and you can go listen to writers who've been there and done that um, talk about marketing and strategies you can use and tools and resources and so that's where I started it's just with these local conferences and then um, especially as COVID hit and there was um, a lot more online offerings um, I've taken some courses to help me study marketing and ads and advertising. Um, and the biggest thing I've learned is that so much of your marketing starts with writing the book. So much of your marketing starts with, with the cover and the blurb and making sure your package is set up to be very appealing to readers. And then from there, you know, most people think of marketing as really advertising because when you pay for an ad or you pay for a promotion, that's really more advertising. And so I, I'm still getting good at all this. I would not consider myself an expert by any means, but I am making it happen. And I kind of feel like if someone who feels out as like as uncomfortable with numbers as I do can make it happen for my book, ooh, sorry, my baby just hit something, um, <laughs> then I think pretty much any other writer can figure it out. Because I know that turns a lot of people off from indie publishing is like, I don't know anything about marketing. I don't know anything about advertising. And it's about connections and it's about, and it's about showing up as who you are. And what do you find, obviously, as someone with limited time, what, what's been your most effective like avenue for the marketing? It's a hard question <laughs> uh, because I kind of feel like it's twofold. Um, but I, I'm going to say that it's getting the packaging right. Because I am, I'm an achiever, I'm a doer. And when I first started self-publishing, I just took off running. I was trying to publish things as fast as I could. I wanted to get them out there. And, um, and so I rushed some things and I cut some corners uh, that if I hadn't cut would have saved me a lot of time because I mm. had to, the first book in my first urban fantasy series, um, my Lost Soul series, uh, I have had to re-edit that book like three times and then republish it. And so um, like I didn't pay as much attention to the editing stages with that book as I really needed to. And um, I didn't get a lot of bad reviews, but I also, my sales were down and I really felt that 
people were probably looking inside the book, um, possibly seeing errors on that first page or two and then putting it down um, and not buying it. And then with, uh, and then I wasn't getting a lot of reviews. I just, I wasn't getting negative reviews, but I wasn't getting reviews. Mm -hmm. So I've since re-edited that one. I've actually, I also recovered it, just, just changed the cover just a bit. And, um, and then I ran a, I have three books in that series out now. And I ran a free promotion on the first book in December. And I saw um, almost two and a half thousand downloads. And I saw, um, and I'd done 99 cent promos and they just hadn't really moved the book. But then mm. I saw page reads skyrocket. And so my page reads uh, multiplied by about three um, wow. every, and, and they've stayed. So, so far I'm still writing that free promotion. Um, and they've picked up my other books since I'm seeing read through. Um, and, and so you don't think it's marketing to make sure that you edit your book well and to make sure that your cover hits the market and that your title hits the market, but it is, it really is. And we want to rush and we want to get it out there and we want to slap a title and a pretty cover and call it good. But I'd encourage um, authors out there to really pay attention to your packaging um, and your blurb writing. And it matters. It makes a big difference. Yeah. And I guess like if you thought about that as something like you would see in the super, supermarket shelf, a box of cereal, you, you know, that's basically what it is, right? And that is a big part of marketing, even though I agree oftentimes I'm immediately thinking about like Amazon ads or TikTok videos, but you're right, like get the fundamentals down. That's really important part. And did you test out covers or book blurbs and like do ARC reviews, like all of those pieces? Yeah, I've done ARC reviews with like mixed success. I had... Um, and that's where I saw like, so between the publication of the, my first urban fantasy series and my second, um, which my second one only has one book out so far. Um, I improved a lot as a writer between those two series. So mm -hmm. I took a really, um, like I, I made a really big investment in an online course in writing and marketing and like the whole thing. And focused on improving my writing and making it uh, more uh, like working on each chapter and making each chapter more of like a hook for the reader to keep them reading through the whole mm. book. And uh, what I saw between my first series and my second series was um, in that launch week, I had four times as many reviews. So I went from getting about 10 reviews from like my biggest little fans to getting 40 plus reviews just in that first week or two um, between the two books. And so I know that that, sec that second series, that it's just better written, it's better packaged. And I've learned, I can see that where I applied what I learned in that course uh, has improved it so much. And um, what I've been working on now as I have time is I start to apply those principles back to that series and give it new life. Um, so that my backlist can help carry me more. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting to have seen that discrepancy, uh, with the ARC readers, but, um, I, I like doing ARC readers. I think it's important, but it's, we worry so much about like, oh, I need reviews. I need reviews, but you don't need reviews. You need to have a good enough book that people leave reviews. 
And that's really hard medicine to swallow as a, you, you want everyone to just love it right out of the gate, but you kind of have to eat that humble pie and admit that if you're not getting a lot of reviews and a lot of readers, then somewhere there's a disconnect between you and the reader. And so you kind of have to accept that and be aware of it. Yeah. That's a good, um, another good insight for readers or for listeners um, is just that it's not even about the whole book, as you're saying, it's almost like each chapter is itself a marketing pitch. And so if you don't have those hooks or, or whatever is appropriate to that genre uh, to keep the, pe- the readers going, then they're not going to like buy the next chapter and then they're not going to like you said, finish the book. And so then they're not going to review it um, versus thinking, yeah, why aren't they just, why aren't they reviewing it? Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it's it's not, if you're not compelling them throughout the book to finish it, they're not going to read it or review it. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go grab her another snack real quick. I'll be back. Come on, take your snack. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she makes the cutest little sounds ever. (laughs) We're going to have to use this soundtrack. It's so freaking adorable. So... It sounds like you have a pretty good hold on grasp on your writing practice. Now you're learning, you're taking, um, investing in yourself. That sounds like another good takeaway is to never hesitate to invest in your writing practice and your marketing. And is there anything else about the writing process that has surprised you in your journey? Um, yeah, so last, so my husband's a teacher, and that means that over the summers, he's home. And so uh, that gives me a lot more time to write. And last summer, I had negotiated with him that I would get like, basically like a full, like 40 hour a week jobs worth of writing um, all summer. And I was like, so excited. And I was going to write, like, I think I had three novels planned to draft out. And I was just going to write them as fast as possible and then edit them when he goes back to school in the fall. And then be able to just release a bunch while he was in school. Because it's hard to find time to write when you have a spouse that's working and maybe you're working. And for me, I'm homeschooling my kids and that's like a job. So it's a lot. Um, and I was really excited. Well, when I sat down at my computer and I had you know, five hours ahead of me to write, I still wrote just as much as I would have if he had been working. (laughs) And I did not hit my deadlines. And I actually had to cancel a pre-order last, uh, last year, because I didn't finish writing the book. And I was so upset. And the more I thought about it, because I was like, I had all this time, what happened? I was using the time and pressure uh, some people are very pressure motivated and I am one and uh, <laughs> I didn't have that pressure. I was not, you know, like now my husband's working and I'm homeschooling the kids and I might get like 
15 minutes here, uh, half an hour there. I might get the odd like hour or two that my husband's like, yes, go right, you know. Um, and I can put out a couple thousand words in an hour uh, and really get a good word count in. But it's because I had that's all I have. you know. <laughs> and that shocked me of just this like, oh, it doesn't really translate to if you have more time, you're going to get the book done faster. So for some people, it does. Um, I work really, really well under pressure. And so <laughs> when I only have a short time to write, if I will talk to my brain and say, you can get a significant amount of time done in um, amount done in this time, that's little, um, then I actually do. And that's how I've written. I mean, I have, um, if you're just looking at my fantasy, I have seven published and I published all of those in the past four and a half years. And wow. so that's, like that's huge that's huge like and where did I find the time to write that and they're 80,000 word books they're not little um, things and so I have I have squeezed it in I have written books uh, while nursing my babies and using my phone to write and uh, I've done NaNoWriMo that way you know so um, whenever somebody says they don't have the time to write uh, I can honestly look at them and say, um, you're not prioritizing it and that's okay. You know, it's, it's not a critical thing. It's just a, let's, let's stop making the excuse and let's start acknowledging it's not a priority right now. And that's okay. Because mm -hmm. there are times in my life too, when I've had to take a break from writing because there's too much going on. I'm too stressed. I need to catch up um, on my house on with my kids and make sure I'm connecting with my kids. And um, and I've had to admit, it's just not a priority right now. I'm not failing. I'm not, you know, none of those things. I just have other priorities and that's okay. But it's, it's not that you don't have time because at times when I've like, nope, I want to write and I want to make this a priority. I have been able to squeeze time out of the tiniest little corners of my day and write a hundred words, 300 words. And we think that's insignificant and that's a terrible lie to tell yourself because if I had said that to myself I would probably only have like two books published <laughs> at this point um and not that that's bad either like but just I think if we acknowledge what our priorities really are and if we also acknowledge that 15 minutes of writing time is worth it it's worth applying yourself then we will put more books out there and we'll have more female writers out there. And I, and that's what we want. That's what we want. Yeah. More stories with women who have children or men with children. Yes. Yes. And I love what you're saying here. And it totally is. Yeah. I've heard this a few times said, but never quite so eloquently about the, the pressure that, you know, being a busy mom, brings with it actually can help you, you know, laser focus. In fact, one of the interviewees um, who I talked to, Joan Flood, she said, even now, you know, she's, her children are grown and she's got grandkids. Like she likes writing in a cafe because like the chaos, she's like, I need that around me to write. Cause I'm that's, you know, that was my place. And so like, that was the pandemic's been hard for her because everyone's isolated. Right. Um, yeah, I had that same issue when I was like literally um, during the pandemic, I was literally writing in a closet 
because that was the only place in my house I had that was like could close the door and all mm. the libraries were closed and all the cafes were closed and all the everything was coffee shops everything was closed and it was hard to write in isolation and silence and I find that I do so much better when I've got just got people around and it doesn't matter what's going on if they're just there totally I know and you'll probably always be like that like you know because that's your your flow state place so what would be your advice to Brie of um you said that you first published those books in was it 2018 17 17 so what would you what would your advice be current day Brie to that 2017 Brie I mean my advice would mainly be to to stop chasing readers, I guess, <laughs> because I felt like I had to like hunt them down <laughs> and like <laughs> give them my book. And, um, and I was, it was stressful. And um, I wish that I had, I could tell myself to like slow down and to find ways to really connect with my readers and to not worry so much about selling to them, but more connecting with them. Um, being just like being authentic and being me and working on growing my followers by just showing them my process and being a reader too, because uh, I noticed um, one of my goals this year is to read more fiction because even though I came from a background of reading constantly and devouring books um, in the past few years, I feel like I've had to decide between being a reader and being a writer. And I always chose being a writer Um that I'd go back and I'd tell myself, remember that you are a reader first and be a reader and you'll connect with readers. Um, yeah. So I'm really trying to take that to heart right now. Yeah. And so where can people get in touch with you? Absolutely. I am on Facebook and there's author Brie Moore. I'm on Instagram as at Brie Novels. I'm on TikTok with that same handle, Brie Novels. Um, I'm on Pinterest and I have a website, um, authorbreemore.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your mom wisdom and writing wisdom with, uh, with us today. This has been really helpful. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Okay. So here are the top takeaways. Number one, vanity or hybrid publishers can be a great way to get started in publishing as they will walk you through the whole process but pay attention to your contract because they are all not made the same. Number two, before you start worrying about keywords and Facebook ads, make sure you have your marketing foundations solid by ensuring that your book is well edited and has the right cover for your genre. Number three, one way to think about reviews is instead of worrying about how you are going to get readers to review your book, think about how you can create a book that they love so much they feel like they need to review it. Number four, even your chapters are part of your marketing pitch. Each one needs to hook your readers to keep them reading. Number five, if you need pressure to write, know that having small amounts of time to write can actually be a good thing. 
And number five, it's okay if writing is not your priority sometimes. That does not mean you are failing. It just means this is not the season. Thanks so much for listening to this show. Last week, you may have noticed I missed an episode. Apologies for that. But I did have a good reason. I tried my first ever stand-up comedy set last week and that just really kicked my ass so I didn't have time to get the podcast together for you but if you haven't done stand-up comedy it was definitely one of the scarier things I've done but it was such a blast and definitely inspired by the experience of creating this podcast and so thank you all my listeners for helping make that happen. I would not have had the courage to do that without you. On the topic of this podcast, next week will be our season finale. I know that's confusing because last week I said it would be this week, but we have one more special guest to share with you and it's gonna be epic. So make sure that you stay tuned, subscribe, all that good stuff. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.